Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath May 1st, we look at Lesson 5, Children of the Promise. Together, let's explore how the promises found in the wellsprings of the covenant sustain us today. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, here we are, Children of the Promise, and this week's memory text comes from Matthew 28, verse 20. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Matthew 28, verse 20, once again. I love that, just that reminder of God's presence as a loving Heavenly Father that God wants to spend time with us and that God is with us through His presence. Yeah, you know, I, I love what this says and I also love what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, I'm going to keep you from any harm, hurt, or danger, or suffering. It just says, I'm going to be with you through those things. Yeah. Uh, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So uh, I love this along with Sunday's lesson, which is thy shield. Tell us how God's going to be our shield. Well, let's dive right in. Genesis 15, verse 1. Yes, sir. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Well, this passage here is this um, amazing promise as God and Abram have this uh, encounter together. And, you know, one, I, I just see this again and again throughout the Old Testament, um, these encounters with the divine, right, That as they happen. Um, you know, that had to be quite amazing if you just step back and think about it. it first did. of all, um, it had to have gotten his attention. And, uh, and, and as it did so... Um, God gives a uh, a reassurance, you know, uh, but but this thing of fear, I, I, I want to come back to that first. And, you know, sometimes I think people think that um, somehow we need to be or are afraid of God. Yeah. And that's not what this passage is talking no. about, that we need to be fearful of God. Um, this idea of fear... Um, and, and, you know, paying attention to what God is. And, and, and when we do pay attention to him, we don't actually have to be afraid. So God is giving Abram this reassurance. You don't have to be afraid of me. Um, in fact, not only that, but in the context of this passage goes on to, um, it's talking about the promise, the, the child that is to come and how they hadn't had a child, right? And so God's reassuring him of this, of this promise of an heir. That's what this context of what's going on here. And, and Abram here says, I am your shield. I am your protection. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And like you said before, Buster, God doesn't say, hey, I'm going to make sure that nothing bad happens to you. No, God's with us. And look at the story of Abram again and again. All kinds of craziness happens in his life. But, but uh, through the good times and the bad, um, here you see through his story that God is there guiding and God's protecting hand yes. is there in the midst of, of even the most trying of circumstances. You, you know, uh, Michael, as you're sharing that, uh, you know, this word there, fear, is your A. And it's very important to look at context mm -hmm. because yeah. sometimes it does mean be terribly afraid. Sometimes it's talking yeah. about reverence. Sometimes it's talking about awe. Yeah. And here it's saying you don't have to be t trembling. Why? Yeah. Because I'm with you, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and I, I will actually be there to protect you here in this instance, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, and I also love the fact that, you know, we look at it. 
Abram, did he have some scratches? Did he have some bruises? I think he yeah, did. Yeah. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, Sarah gave him some of those after Hagar, right? But mm-hmm. <laughs> as we look as a whole, God was still with him. Yeah. You see God's providential leading in his hand, guiding through his life, the twists and turns and uh, and everything else. Um, and, and you know, I, I, I take the kind of view that God allows us to make decisions. I know that some people think predetermined God makes all the decisions for us. I, I, I just don't quite see that in Scripture. I, I see that God allows Abram to make these decisions. And as he does, he keeps leading, guiding him back to him, you know, through all of these different circumstances. Well, let's talk about leading back. Um, we've got the Messiah, the Messianic uh, promise. Uh, tell us what's going on here, Buster. Yeah. Before I do, let me yeah. make a clarification. All right. I wasn't saying Sarah abused Abram. <laughs> I was sharing that. I didn't think it, but just the, for the for the sake of our listeners, I here suppose. Here we go. Yeah. Here, I, do not, I do not condone that type of behavior. He was, uh, those emotional bruises sometimes hurt worse though, right? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, so now let's talk about the Messianic <laughs> promise Fill part us in, one. Buster. So Genesis 28, 14 is written there in our lesson as well as Galatians 3, 29. I'm going to read these fluently. Yeah. In thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then uh, verse 29 of Galatians 3. And if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And it talks about this promise being fulfilled, right? The Mm -hmm. seed was coming and that seed came. And now we actually can become heirs uh according to christ according through what abram abraham what happened through him right yeah, yeah. uh and it, it asked this uh, a series of question think about the covenant promise made after the flood in which the lord promised not to destroy the world with water again what ultimate good would uh would this be without the promise of redemption found in jesus what ultimate good would any of god's promises be without the promise of eternal life found in christ mm. and, and that's what it's all about uh the Bible written down is ultimately God's way of working salvation for as many people, well, for everyone, right? Yeah. But trying to get as many people as possible to accept him as Lord and Savior mm. uh, from the old to the new and working conjointly together in order mm-hmm. to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And, and how it says, how do you understand the notion that in Abraham, through Jesus, all families of the earth will be blessed? What does that mean? Uh, we see someone, a story of faithfulness, of someone who's received a promise, right? And was there, was there something innate about Abraham? I truly don't believe so. Uh, as we're reading, he was someone who was faithful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's ultimately up to us. Are we going to be faithful? Yeah. Uh, blessing doesn't come by way of just birth. Blessing comes by way of faithfulness. And yes. the more faithful we are, the more God can trust us. Mm-hmm. And the more God can trust us, the more he entrusts us with, right? Exactly. Uh, and this was the same thing with salvation, mm-hmm. uh, which brings us to the Messianic promise part two. Michael, please share. You know, I, I think really it just comes back to these small little steps. You know, um, it quotes Thomas Brown, the poet. To enjoy true happiness, we must travel into a very far country and even out of ourselves mm. and um, you know looking at this and the passages here um, are reminding us about um, Jesus's soon return and stuff like that and what I think is amazing I, I didn't know I'd see this in the Sabbath school quarterly as a church historian here is, <laughs> is there's this great quote from Augustine uh, from the city of God one of the like most famous pieces in the yes. history of Christian literature you know in church history and uh, basically, the this thing is the story of um, uh, the city, the, well, two cities really, uh, but ultimately the city of God, where where God's people are headed to, right? And 
Um, and, and, and what it's doing is, is describing the human condition, how, uh, you know, our, all, all these terrible things, yeah. you know, that, that we all face and are just a reality of, of this, our sinful lives. And the reality is, is that, and the point the lesson's making is that our human nature, our human condition hasn't changed. Yeah, it has not. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, and, and, and it's not going to change until Christ comes again. And, and, and part of what happens is, is, and this is why I think Scripture does, and the promise of the Messiah and the covenant, is it wakes us up out of our little shell, out of our little bubble, and says there's something bigger going on here, and that God's grace and love want to penetrate deep into our hearts and our lives. And so um, when we realize that, we realize there's something better that's out there. Yeah. And I think that's what this this quote by Brown is talking about, right? Is is that there's something more, and that awakens in us a yearning, Amen. a desire for something, um, ultimately for for Jesus Christ. Yeah. And, and and that's really what we're getting after is is Jesus, that that Messiah, that Redeemer. He is that fulfillment of that promise. Well, yeah, you know, Michael, I was just going to share. Quote from Tolstoy, which is everyone mm. wants to change the world, but yeah. few want to change themselves. Wow! And uh, that's that's what ultimately this is, yeah. like, right? Yeah. I would love yeah. sometimes to change the church. I would yeah. love to sometimes. Change, and I look in the mirror, and the yeah. Lord is saying, yeah. "The Lord is sharing with this, yeah. you, you, you're the call, you're the change, right? You're the wow. agent of change that wow. I'm calling." Yeah, you know, and I just see that again and again. You know, this is a challenge in I think all traditions, but within Adventism especially. You know, we, you know, I see that a lot. Say, for example, with Ellen White's writings, I had someone come to just today actually. You know, with a list of Ellen White quotes of everything you should and shouldn't do in health reform, and and it <laughs> I think was, I've shown you mine before. <laughs> oh wow! And 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 I just you know it struck me that yeah. you know. That's fine, but focus on yourself and don't use that as a uh, as a way to beat up others. Whip well, as a whipping stick. As a whipping stick, yeah, that's exactly it. And and I think if we can just there's I have enough problems, I have enough challenges. I you know I see God needing to work in my own life. That it, <laughs> it should, if if we're honest, yeah, should give us a healthy dose of humility and say, um, and be maybe a little bit kinder and gentler to those maybe that haven't or don't see things the same way that. I do. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I've shared this document with you before I alluded to it, but mm -hmm. one time I finished preaching uh, mm -hmm. and someone left on my desk a list of Ellen White quotes after I was done preaching. And one of them just simply said, avoid, uh, avoid medication. Wow. And they gave their page reference and everything. I was like, so in other words, this person actually was believing you should never take any medication at all. It's just like, wow, how absurd. And you just realize the proof texting yeah. doesn't only happen in the Bible. It happens in Ellen White's writings. It happens in sometimes our classes, yeah. what we say, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Context, context matters and content matter, motive matters. Yeah. yeah. And, and But the point I want to keep coming back to is the focus. Yes. Is the focus on me as God's convicting my heart uh -huh. or is my focus on you trying to fix you and straighten you out with all your problems as a means to maybe avoid Ooh. the Holy Spirit that's actually trying to talk about something in my life that God's actually convicting my own heart. You hypocrite. Uh, you talk right. about the, the speck in your brother's eye and yeah. avoiding the plank that's in your own. Mercy. Right? Mercy. Yes. 
you know and so i just think again and again you know back to humility and mm. god hasn't given up on any of us thank praise the lord oh. I, I i i need god's grace every day chief of sinners right, right? yeah and uh, uh let's let's turn to wednesday's lesson though uh, great and mighty nation buster you know i i just have to jump jump straight to this because this is three really great texts i won't read all of them i'm going to end up reading isaiah 60 verses one through three but it says why did the lord want to make a special nation out of abraham's seed did the Lord just want to make another country or a certain ethnic origin? What purposes was uh, this nation to fulfill? And I list down Exodus uh, 19, 5 through 6, talking about the, them being a special people. Uh, Deuteronomy 4, 6 through 8, talking about the wisdom that he wanted to place in the people. But Isaiah 60, 1 through 3 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, a deep darkness to the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Mm. This is what God wanted to do with them. He yeah. wanted a people that were going to be a centrifugal force, mm -hmm. a vacuum cleaner. In other words, to show them this is what it's like to serve the one and only wow. true God. While yeah. the rest of the world is serving false gods, look at the true God. Look at how we live. Look at how we, 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 we operate mm -hmm. and see that our way is better because we serve Yahweh. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, um, that's the great and mighty nation that he wanted. Uh, he yearned for it. He still yearns for it. Mm -hmm. And now we are the church. And he wants the church to rise up and be this. Uh, but will we? Wow. It's up to us, right? It is. So uh, make your name great, Michael. April 29th there for Thursday's lesson. Yeah, great text. Uh, Genesis uh, chapter 12, verse 2 talks yes, about, I will make of thee a great nation, God speaking to Abram, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Mm. And, you know, this is, um, I think, a reminder first and foremost that God's intent toward each of us is one of blessing that God desires nothing more than our salvation and he wants us to prosper. God's desire for each and every one of us is one of wholeness and fulfillment and, yes. and to be able to thrive. And, and I think that's the posture. You know, a lot of people I think are afraid of God that somehow if I do the wrong thing, I'm gonna get zapped by lightning kind of thing, right? Um, and, 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 and this is why we, I think, need to go back to the story and remember and be reminded God, God is, is revealing his character to Abram and says, hey, I, I love you. <laughs> yeah. I care about this you. That's who I am. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so I love that. And it says, I, I want to make your um, name great here. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, and this reminds me a little bit that, you know, each of us has the privilege and opportunity to reflect somewhat the the character of God. Mm -hmm. And so when God makes and wants to work through us, it's not us that really becomes great. It's God working through us that then becomes the blessing to everyone around us. And, and that's probably one of the greatest dangers, I think, within um, Christianity is that we start to make the Christian experience about ourselves instead of about God and his blessings. Mm. And, and when we start holding it up, start keeping it to ourselves, protecting it, we actually become spiritually, we start shriveling up. We start, we literally start dying. And so it says God flows through us um, to others. And, 
And, um, and, and part of this, um, it, the text is trying to get at here in Genesis both 11 and 12. Yes, sir. Um, is this idea of um, how does salvation work? Is it salvation by works or is it salvation by faith? <laughs> and uh, the really the easy answer to that is that it's both. Yeah, there, there we go. Yeah. It, it, James, James covers that as long as Paul, uh, Paul right? The tell mm-hmm. old uh, argument. Yeah, it's faith which works, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I would love explaining this to my students. It's it's very relational. It's like falling in love. Mm-hmm. You can't be calculated. It can't be, you know, I, I tricked this, you know, I mean, it, it, because if, if you actually do that and base a relationship on false pretenses and everything else, when that person at some point in the future figures it out, that relationship will just fall apart. Yes, uh, yes, it will. But I love my spouse, not, not because of... Uh, you know, of some calculation or whatever, or the chemistry and all those kinds of things. Because, uh, but rather, it's it's when you fall in love with somebody, that relationship. You know, um, and so when I go home, and you know, there's times I'm really tired, Buster. <laughs> I don't want to wash those dishes. I don't want to do some of the laundry. I don't want to. There's a lot of things, but you know, I do it anyways. Not, yes. Not because, um, not because I have to. Because I want to, because yeah. I love my spouse, and 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 that relationship is what drives it and drives those outward behaviors. And same thing, I mean, conversely, negatively, you know, um, you know, in terms of you know, uh, faithfulness in marriage, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, um, I I don't have to worry about my spouse being faithful to me because there's yeah. that relationship kind of thing that there's that trust that is there and that's been established over time, um, and and so. Um, and again, I'd say that's salvation by works, but it's not my, I don't stay faithful to earn that love. It's no. rather the opposite. It's because of that love and trust that exudes um, that, that then there is that, that faithfulness. There's that, that works that is just that natural result, that overflow that yes. comes out of that relationship. Yeah. I, I guess you could put it this way, which comes first, the chicken or the egg, which yeah. comes first, <laughs> faith or works, right? Yeah. But it's actually the works of Christ yeah. that came first, which produces yeah. faith in us. And because the works of Christ also produce works in us. Yeah. Ephesians 2, uh, uh, I know we love to quote this, uh, verse 8, for mm-hmm. you have been saved by grace through faith and mm-hmm. not of yourself, lest anyone should, should uh, boast. Yeah. But verse 10 says that he's prepared uh, works ahead of time that we could, should accomplish beforehand, right? Uh, so he talks about because we are saved by faith, yeah. works will come mm-hmm. uh, as a result of the works of Christ in our lives. Because of the grace of Christ in our lives, we're going to have faith, which then produces the works, right? Yeah. I have, I'm a faithful person to my wife, and therefore the works of it are produced yeah. by yeah. what I do and what I say and how I react to her. Yeah. Uh, same thing, the relational aspect with, with God, mm-hmm. but recognizing it's his works and his faith first, right? Yeah. That teaches us how to have faith that is actual uh, working as well. I love how Ellen White says it in Desire of Ages. It's oh, love that awakens love. Yes. And by the way, I just have to share this. I, I thought this was really interesting. I was following Dallas Jenkins on social media. Okay. And uh, he, for those of our listeners who may not be aware, he's the producer of The Chosen. The Chosen you know, the, and season two is out now. Yeah. So we've been catching the first few episodes, you know, and, and really enjoying it. So it caught me as, as quite of a surprise that here the producer of The Chosen, he actually posted a quote by Ellen White from Desire of Ages, right? So here is studying the life of Christ, producing this great video series. And he says, Christ was treated as we deserve that we might be treated as he deserves. Mm. And I just thought, you know, what a a beautiful, from from a non-Adventist who's producing this great film series, 
on the life of Christ. Um, and, and just a beautiful reminder of, again, how all of salvation is so relational. And God, uh, through his love and mercy, awakens love. And out of that response, just like you were talking about, it's just, it's natural. It happens. It's organic. It can't be calculated or formulated. It's just something that happens as a heart response to, to the amazing uh, love of God. Hey, man, you know, I, I don't think there's anything else to add to that, Michael. Uh, that. <laughs> That stills, and I hope uh, our listeners will take us up on this and making yeah. sure that we actually develop the relationship. I know you're probably so tired of hearing this, but I, I, I yearn to see a day where we're tired of hearing it because we're actually living it. Mm, exactly. Let's live it. Well, on that note, I think we'll put a wrap. This is Soup. And Swoops, signing out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops, signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.